Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, the greatest radio shows of all time. Suspense. The Shadow Node. Washington calling David Harding. Classic Radio Theater. The Great Gildersleeve. Fibber McGee and Molly. Dragnet. Gunsmoke. The Lone Ranger. Now step back into our time machine with your host, Wyatt Cox. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. An episode of Phillips H. Lord's blockbuster program, Gangbusters. This episode, The Case of Bugs Moran, was originally broadcast October 18, 1947. And now in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States, the only national program that brings you authentic police case history. Gangbusters. syndicate, and how two desperate gangs of criminals fought a bloody battle that lasted years for the largest prize in the annals of crime. Gangbusters is asked the Honorable Matthias H. Heck, prosecuting attorney, Dayton, Ohio, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. The inside facts in the case of the devil and the syndicate. Mr. Heck. I know that the Gangbusters audience is going to hear some familiar names in tonight's case. They certainly are, Don Gardner. Names that were in every newspaper every day for years. But right now, they're just names. The major characters are all dead. Or in prison with sentences they'll never live to serve. Well, supposing you begin, Mr. Heck. All right, Don. The closing events in the case occurred just a few months ago. But to understand these men, we should go back more than two dozen years. One bright spring morning in Chicago, a young man crossed North State Street in front of the Holy Name Cathedral. As he approached the other side, he saw the florist shop for which he was looking. He stopped for a moment to glance at a wedding wreath in the window. Then he walked toward the door. Well, here goes. Can I help you? Yeah. First, you can give me one of them carnations. Yes, sir. They're very pretty. One of these? No, one of the red ones. I like red. Yes, sir. 
Shall I pin it in your lapel? Yeah, why not? What do you do after you get through here? I go to night school to learn jujitsu. No kidding. There you are. How much? 25 cents. Cheap enough. Catch. Thank you. Call again. Go on and back and tell your boss I want to see him. My boss? O'Banion. Tell him George is here. Uh, do you have an appointment? Who needs an appointment? Who is it, Lillian? Well, Are uh, you Mr. O'Banion? That depends who you are. The name is Moran. George Moran. Lillian, run down the corner and get me the evening papers. Yes, sir, right away. I'll be right back. Cute trick. She's like the flower business, Moran. A front. So hands off. Okay. That recommendation from Ross has rated you pretty high. We got along. Good as anybody can get along in Joliet. Things have changed since you went in, Moran. So I hear. They got a law now. The 18th Amendment, they call it. They want people to stop drinking. But they made a mistake. Too many people don't like that law. When there's a law people don't like. Somebody's bound to make a fortune out of it. <laughs> we even had bootleggers in Joliet. Come on in back. I want you to meet one of my friends. Yeah, sure. He's one of my vice presidents. You'll be another. The wife. I want you to meet George Moran. Earl Weiss. Pleased to meet you, Bugs. The name ain't Bugs. It's George. Okay, no harm, man. I just heard they called you Bugs. Nobody calls me Bugs. Never. Take it easy, George. We don't go for rough stuff. And we don't go for rough talk unless it's called for. Okay. I said things were changing. We're in business. We're legit, uh, practically. Just tell me what I do and when I start doing it. You'll have plenty to do. We're organizing the whole North Side. Every drop of booze and every mug of beer that's sold on the North Side will be ours. That's all right with me. Uh, but suppose some other guys get different ideas. That's one of the reasons I'm putting you on the payroll, Moran. Don't worry. Nobody will muscle in. Hey, muscle in. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I'll have to remember that. Not bad. It's like this, Moran. There's a bunch over on the west side and the south side doing the same thing we are. So long as they stay there and don't muscle in, nobody will get hurt. And it's working out okay. I've got an agreement with the guy that runs things, Johnny Torrio. Sounds as easy as selling flowers. I don't know. That Torrio may be all right, but he just brought a guy in from Brooklyn, a bad actor. Huh? I know a lot of guys from Brooklyn, who is he? Um, what's his name, boss? Um... Al, uh, Al something or other. Yeah, that's it, Al Capone. So, Don, the Chicago gangs grew stronger as each of them strained to expand beyond the limits of the agreed territories. For three years, no gang leader would make the first move because he could foresee the violence that would follow. Then one day, Bugs Moran had an urgent summons from the operator of a speakeasy on the north side. He walked into the smoke-filled place and saw the operator sitting at the bar. Hello, Patsy. Oh, Moran. Sit down. Yeah. Harry, straight bourbon for Mr. Moran. Okay. Well, what's your trouble? 
Maybe it's your trouble, Moran. What do you mean? Just put the bottle down, Harry. Go take care of them customers down there. All right. Don't talk in riddles, Fancy. Pour yourself a drink. Thanks. Luck. Good stuff, huh? Come on, Patsy. I didn't come over here to drink your booze. What's the trouble? You just drank it. Now, look. Take a squint at that bottle. Hey, where'd you get that stuff? I bought it. You'll get in trouble, Patsy, making buys from outside. They backed the truck up here, Moran. They unloaded 40 cases. They said take the stuff or take a dose of lead. I took the stuff. Ain't bad, is it? Who was it? How should I know? Three gorillas with a look in their eye. You pulling a fast one, Patsy? Me? I buy your rot gut and pay you good for peace and quiet. I pay you to keep guys like that off my neck. He'll be off your neck, Patsy. Don't worry about that. Okay. So long. And uh, thanks for the drink. I'll mention it. You got too hot a temper, Moran. I said this is business. No rough stuff unless it's called for. Those monkeys won't understand nothing except rough stuff, O'Banion. First it's one joint, then it's another. Then they'll be all over the north side. It's a mistake. Johnny Torrio, don't make mistakes. Where's Weiss, anyway? I told him the meeting was off. It's all settled. Settled? How? I put in a call for Johnny Torrio. He's going to get it straightened out and call me back. Yeah? Well, if you... Maybe that's him. Yeah, and maybe it ain't. Just do your job, Moran. I'll handle this. Hello? O'Banion? Yep. Who was it? Johnny Torrio asked me to call. This is Al Capone. Oh, there's Al. You checked up on that deal? Yeah, and as far as we know, it wasn't our boys that made the sale. Oh? We don't like that kind of business either, O'Banion. We want to put a stop to it as much as you. Well, what are we waiting for? Johnny Torrio said get the details. He said work with O'Banion. It's a deal, Capone. Uh, suppose I send a couple of boys around tonight to see you. Uh, make it tomorrow, Capone, at the flower shop. Yeah, at the flower shop. They'll be there. Lillian. Lillian? Yes, Mr. O'Banion. Oh, Mr. Moran. Yes, sir. I'll... Oh, and Lillian. Yes, sir? Uh, first bring me that bird seed. Kankakee's hungry. Aren't you, Kankakee? Hmm? Yeah. See? Oh, here comes some customers. Yes. I'll wait on them first. They're not customers. Just some gentlemen I'm expecting. I'll go in back, make that call to Moran. Yes, sir. I'll do it right now. Oh. Come in, boys. Come in. Hello, Banyan. We're from Al Capone. Glad to see you. Oh, yeah. Well, how are we going to straighten out this mess? Capone says it's easy. Then let's get to it. Sure, O'Banion. Let's get to it. Hey, what's the idea of the guns? So long, pal. Come on, let's get out of here. Thus done, the two leading gangs of Chicago's racketeers declared war on each other. A gang war that lasted many years. And bloodshed mounted with the month. October 18, 1947, Gangbusters on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality 
or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, more of Gangbusters, October 18th, 1947. Uh, you've told us, Mr. Hecht, how gang war flared up in Chicago after the Johnny Torrio Al Capone syndicate sought to invade the north side and murdered gang leader Diana Banyan. Yes, Don, and the story of the killing was the new sensation of the day. O'Banion's principal lieutenants, Earl Little Jaime Weiss and George Bugs Moran, were on hand at the funeral parlor where O'Banion's body was on exhibition in a $10,000 casket surrounded by tons of gaudy floral pieces. There they planned retaliation. Not so much to avenge O'Banion as to salve their own peculiar pride. We gotta go through with it, Weiss. We gotta run Torrio and Capone into the ground. You're wrong, Moran. Nobody can make out if we spend our time killing each other. We're in it for dough. That's the way O'Banion wanted it. Yeah. And look where O'Banion is. You don't want to sit around and let Capone and Torrio give you the same kind of going over, do you? Maybe we could get the whole thing settled. Oh, settled. You talk like a maniac. There's only one way it's going to be settled. That's when we got the whole town. I don't know. I was just figuring... Quiet, it might... quiet, quiet. Yes, only... Mr. Weiss, can I see you a minute? 
What's the matter, Lillian? Well, another floral piece just arrived, and I thought... Well, I didn't bring it in. But there isn't room for any more flowers. Besides, this is bigger than anything in here. It's huge. Who sent it? I I don't know. I didn't open the card. Come on, Moran. Let's have a look. Yeah, sure. Where are these posies? Out in the ante room. This way. They gotta be brought in the line, Weiss. That's the only way. We'll see. We'll see. Right in here. There it is. What for crying out loud? Who spent all that to? It's pretty, huh? Oh, it's hideous. <laughs> Where's the card? Huh? This must be it. How many men did it take to carry it in? Five? Well, who's it from, Moran? Here. Read it yourself. Sure. Rest in peace, Johnny Torrio and El Capone. A dirty, rotten... You're right, Moran. They need a lesson. Let me at those wheels. No, no, don't. Boy, don't. Yeah, let me. Don't get worked out. Who cares how much I'm Soon, Don, George Bugs Moran and Earl Little Jaime Weiss sought and got revenge on gangster Johnny Toroy. Thus, the notorious Al Capone came into command. The war between the two factions continued with one or two gangsters losing their lives every week. Finally, little Jaime Weiss got his, and Bugs Moran became undisputed head of the North Side mobsters. But the pyramid of gang murders didn't help, and both sides knew it. So it was arranged one day that Bugs Moran walk alone and unarmed down a long hotel corridor toward a room at the end. As he walked, he looked carefully at each closed door he passed. Then, on reaching the end of the corridor, he stopped and opened the door. Come in, Moran. Sit down. Make yourself at home. Thanks, Capone. Well, are you ready? Yeah, Capone. I'm ready. It's about time we figured we weren't doing ourselves good. What are your terms? We split up the city and county. You stay on your side... I stay on mine. Uh, whose side begins where? We go back to the old territories, the ones set up by Johnny Torrio and Diane O'Banion. It's a deal. And the deal covers everything. The booze, the beer, the dogs, the ladies. Everything, Gabon. Okay. We'll shake on it. I can still remember Diane O'Banion went to shake hands. He got led... We shake, so there's no deal. I can take the deal or leave it, Capone. You're acting pretty dumb for a smart cookie, Moran. Guy can afford to be dumb if he's lucky. Well, that's the way you want it, Moran. Put it here, Al. Uh, that's more like it. We'd show them how to run a town. Got no doubt about us running the town, Al. Let's just keep from trying to run each other. How are you? Hello, Betty. You remember that guy I was telling you about? Guy, guy, what guy? Guy with the idea. With the idea? Oh, yeah. I got him uh, back in my office. Well, let's go see him. I think it'll work, Moran. Ought to be good for plenty each month. Uh, what'd you say this guy's name was? Joe. Joe or Jerry? Joe. 
Hello, Joe. Okay, open up. Hello, Joe. I want you to know George Moran. Glad to see you. Patsy tells me you got a new grift. Yeah. If you go for it, Moran, do I get a spot? Sure, sure. I get a million spots. Come on, hurry up, though. I gotta meet a girl outside. Well, the idea is this. There's lots of little guys in business. Big ones, too. Yes, yes, I know that. They got all kinds of stores. So we form all kinds of organizations. All the cleaners in one association, all the laundries in another. Follow me? Yeah. Go on. So before we start these associations, a cleaner here, a cleaner there is going to have trouble. A brick through his window, a stink bomb, maybe. So they join the association to protect their business. And? And they get protection. Without joining the organization, they get no protection. Good stiff dudes. Right. Good stiff dudes. To us. Well, what do you think of it? It stinks. But it's a cinch. I said it stinks. Go on, get out. George. It'll work. It'll make millions. I said get out. Now hit the ties, you crumb bun. Okay. It's just an idea. So long. What was the idea, Moran? That guy had something. Any? Sure. Be a cinch to operate. You got the strong arm. Boys, that's all you need. I know it. You try it out first in the cleaning shops. Hey, you told Joe you didn't go for the idea. Sure, why should I cut him into the deal, a stranger? Yeah, why should you? Boy, I can see this thing spreading all over the city. Maybe farther. Maybe to New York. Uh, yeah? What about Capone? Well, what about him? Capone ain't gonna like it. Let him not like it. There's been peace and quiet too long. I'm sick of it. Come on. How's it going? No complaints, Al. But I got a complaint. Have you? Yeah. Uh, that protection racket of yours is a pretty good idea, Moran. Yeah. I like it. But uh, it's covering too much ground. It'll cover more ground, Al. Nothing like it was included in the agreement. Well, that's the way you want it. It is. Okay, Moran. Be seeing you. That dawn was the beginning of another flare-up between Chicago's rival gangs. And the direct result was the most sensational and blood-curdling event to arise out of the long history of Chicago's mobsterism. You were telling us, Mr. Heck, that gang war between the Al Capone and Bugs Moran mobs broke out all over again. That's right, Don. There were many killings on both sides. With the feud at its height, Bugs Moran called a meeting of a dozen of his henchmen at the garage on North Clark Street, he sometimes used as headquarters. By a little after ten in the morning, eight of his lieutenants had arrived. So what, Moran? So they're a little bit late. When I tell guys to be here, I mean it. Now, will you monkeys keep quiet? How can anybody think? Okay, boys, don't get excited. Now, just keep it quiet. They'll be along in a minute. What do you say we get some coffee? Ah, coffee, coffee. Come on, come on, you can relax. All right, Patsy, I guess I can stand some relaxing. Well, you knew what was going to happen. You knew Capone wouldn't sit still. Okay, okay, I heard all about it and I want to hear. Let's get out the side door and cut through the alley. It's shorter. Anyways, all right. <laughs> you guys stick here. I'll be right back. Are you going out to buy me a present, boss? A present, huh? 
Yeah, I'll give you a present. But boss, it's Valentine's Day. Oh, Valentine's Day, huh? October 18, 1947, Gangbusters on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. A conclusion, along with another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar episode, follows these important messages from your favorite station. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, the conclusion of Gangbusters, as it was originally broadcast October 18th, 1947. Uh, get busy, you think it's the 4th of July? <laughs> Come on, Patsy, let's go. You ought to take it easy, Moran. You'll get Capone in the end. Just take me to that coffee, sure. Maybe you could get the old agreement working again. I don't want to hear no more about it. Take a look around before we hit the sidewalk. Yeah. No, there's nothing. Hey, what? Cops. Huh? Just pulled up in front of the garage. Get close to the wall. You haven't got enough trouble now, cops. All right, let's go. With machine guns. Come on, come on. Hey, those aren't cops. They're Capone guys. Okay, get inside. Let's do a good job. What do you say, boss? Let's go get him. No, no, stick where you are. We ought to warn the guys. There's seven of them left him there. You can take care of themselves. Not against machine guns. Besides, they take the cops. Stick here, I said. It's like a slaughterhouse, boss. Yeah. Come on, let's go after Moran. We'll get a couple of them anyway. Oh. We can show them. Oh, let's get out of but here. But Moran. Come on, let's move fast. What is it? He's outside, George. What's his name? Foster. Bill Foster. Bill Foster. All right. Bring him in. Yes, George. And Lillian. Yes? Leave the blindfold on. Sure, George. All right. Come on in. Better help me through the door, miss. I'll help you. Right through here. Come in, Foster. You Moran? Go on out, honey. Leave us alone. Sure, George. I'll be right outside. Hey, how about let me take the blindfold off? Not on your life, brother. What paper you with, anyway? The American? Who was it, Moran? Who shot up the garage? Who killed those seven guys? Only Capone's gang kills like that. And you lost a lot of talent. You gonna do anything about it? If I was, I wouldn't tell it to a newspaper. But you're not? I made up my mind to quit Chicago. Leave it all to Capone? I didn't say I was yellow, and don't you print it. Where are you going? Just say I made up my mind to retire. I've been thinking about it a long time, and I just now made up my mind. But don't say I'm quitting because I'm scared of Capone. Because you're not, huh? Between you and me, Foster, I am. I know when I'm cooked. Capone's cooked, too, but he don't know it. It won't be me or anybody like me that gets him. But he'll be got. you remember that. So, Don, George Bugs Moran foresaw the end of gang rule in Chicago. And it was not many months after he fled Capone's vengeance that the notorious gang leader was arrested by United States Treasury agents under the great Elmer L. Irie 
and subsequently sentenced to a long term on Alcatraz. But what about Bugs Moran, Mr. Heck? Well, Don Moran remained in retirement until just a few months ago. But the time came when he once more thought he could make a killing. This time for a million dollars. Then you'll be back next week to give us another episode in the fantastic criminal life of Jug- George Bugs Moran? I certainly will, Don. Well, thank you, Prosecuting Attorney Matthias H. Heck of Dayton, Ohio. We'll all be looking forward to next week's case. Prolific producer Phillips H. Lord's first uh, crime drama, Gangbusters, October 18, 1947, here on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. More, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, coming up following these important messages. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, it's part four of a nine-part Yours Truly Johnny Dollar story, The Phantom Chase Matter. This episode was originally broadcast October 18, 1956. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Lieutenant Lefebvre, New Orleans Police. Morning, Lieutenant. Anything new on the Freddy Quintana murder? Yes. Oh? You. What? You said you were with Quintana last night. On business, Lieutenant. What kind of business, Dollar? Well, it's a long story. I'm sure. I think you better tell it to me. Okay, I'll be right over. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location New Orleans, to the Home Office Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Phantom Chase matter. Expense account continued. <laughs> Item 12, $1.20, cab fare from my hotel to police headquarters where Detective Lieutenant Lefebvre was waiting for me. All right, Dollar, now what's it all about? Lieutenant, it's mainly about Tom Chase, alias Tom James. Chase? James, who, who's he? Former junior partner in the investment firm of Everson and Chase in New York City. Chase embezzled $120,000 from the firm. That's not very easy to do. I know, but he was real smart about it. George Everson, the senior partner, explained how Chase had done it. You see, he specialized in long-term investments. Oh, people that buy and hold on, huh? Yeah, that's right. Chase juggled the accounts, and over what must have been a period of many months, he siphoned off a total of $120,000. Mm-hmm. How'd Everson find out about it? Oh, one of their clients suddenly decided to sell out. His count wasn't as fat as it should have been, huh? That's right. Everson immediately ordered an audit. The total shortage was discovered and the DA's office moved in. Did uh, Chase make any kind of statement? No, no, none at all. He just clammed up. Everson tried to get him to explain, and so did Chase's wife, Lola. But he wouldn't say anything. Everson raised bail for him, and Chase promptly jumped bail and disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard stories like this before, Doc. Yeah, sure. Open and shut embezzlement. Anybody find a motive? Well, we're just guessing at that. Could be any one of the standard ones, I guess. Gambling debts, maybe? Oh, I don't know. As far as we can determine, Chase didn't do any gambling. Of course, you never really know. What about a woman? Well, now, that's probably closer to it. Although I'm like George Everson. If it was a woman, I don't get it. Why not? You should see Chase's wife, Lola. Oh, like that, eh? Like that. 
Still, the woods are full of men who've run out on good wives. Oh, yeah. There was something wrong in the happy home, all right, but I guess it was all on Chase's part. Was he? Lola told me he'd been moody and tense for some time before the embezzlement became known. He was away from home a lot at night. Told her he'd been working late. Mm -hmm. That, too, sounds familiar. She asked George Everson about it, and George told her it wasn't so. Then there was the matter of the vacation. The vacation? Yeah, at the last moment, Tom Chase told Lola he couldn't get away, but insisted she go anyway. So she went to Martha's Vineyard alone. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly has all the earmarks of another one. I know. I asked George Everson if he knew of any other woman. He said no. I haven't had the heart to ask Lola Chase that yet. But I got a hunch that's what she's afraid of this, too. Well, it's all very interesting, Dollar, but what's he got to do with Freddie Quintana's murder here in New Orleans? Yeah. Here's a New York newspaper. Last week. Take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Article on New Orleans jazz. Yeah. That's a picture of Ace's castle down on the quarter. George Everson spotted this picture. The fellow in the background sitting at the bar looked to him like Tom Chase. And Chase was crazy about jazz. And that's why you come down here to New Orleans? Yep. Freddie Quintana contacted me night before last and told me Tom Chase was in New Orleans under the name of Tom James. Did he have any proof to show you? A letter Chase had started to Lola, then threw away. Quintana stole it from Chase's room. The handwriting genuine? Mm Mm-hmm. I checked it against a sample of Chase's writing that I'd brought with me. Yeah, it's his, all right. Go on. Well, Quintana told me to meet him in his room at midnight. He'd have Chase there. Apparently, he was pretending to negotiate with Chase for passage out of the country. Oh? So Lola and I went to Quintana's room at midnight, but he didn't show. And I took her back to a hotel. Then I met you, and you showed me Freddie Quintana's body in the alley. It sure looks like Tom Chase didn't want to get found. Mm-hmm. So now if we get Tom Chase, we got Freddie Quintana's killer. That's about the size of it, Lieutenant. I don't know. What do you mean? Dollar... Quarter's been my beat for a long time now. So? So Freddie Quintana was a real bad boy. That's what I've been told. When a bad boy gets himself killed, it isn't always easy to tag the man who did it. Meaning there are a lot of them who'd like to have done it, huh? In Freddie's case, a long line of them. I don't doubt it. Well, we give it a whirl. Tom Chase, alias Tom James. I get out bulleting on him. He's the one, though. He probably skipped time by now. Could be. What's your next move, Jenny? One that I don't look forward to, believe me. Oh? Breaking the news to Lola Chase. I just won't believe it, Johnny. I know. It was hard enough to think that Tom was an embezzler, but he isn't a killer, Johnny. He couldn't be. A nice guy can get twisted up. Then, when he's on the run, he sometimes acts like an animal. He'll destroy anything or anyone who's between him and his freedom. But what kind of freedom can a man have who's... I guess you were right, Johnny. Yeah, what about it? You said I shouldn't have come down here from New York. That there was nothing I could do except get hurt more. Oh, I can understand your feeling. You had to come, but, well... Johnny, I wish you were working for me right now. Hmm? This investigation, I mean, I'd just call it off. Afraid it isn't that simple. Your husband's still a fugitive. He's got to be found. That $120,000 or what's left of it has to be recovered. And if he is responsible for Quintana's murder... I know. It was just a wish. Excuse me. Hello? Oh, yes, just a moment. 
It's for you, Johnny. Oh, thanks. Johnny Dollar. Lieutenant Lefebvre. Thought I might find you there. Anything new, Lieutenant? Yes. That Tom James alias you gave us for Tom Chase paid off. Oh? We just located his room. Where? A room and house in the quarter, a couple of doors from where Freddie Quintana lived. I'll meet you there in ten minutes. <laughs> Expense account item 13, $3. Cab fare from Lola's hotel to the rooming house in the quarter. $2 for the fare, a dollar extra for speed. The driver earned it. Eight minutes later, I met Lieutenant Lefebvre at the rooming house, a dilapidated two-story building. He took me to a room at the end of the hall on the first floor. There's it, Johnny. No sign of Chase, huh? No. We're keeping a stakeout on the room just in case, but I doubt if he'd be back. His clothes are gone. Looks like he left in a hurry, Lefebvre. Yeah. Take a look over here. Well, some charred pieces of paper. We fish them out of the wastebasket. That's a mistake amateurs usually make. Burning stuff in a wastebasket. No draft. That's right. Some of it's not completely burned. See if any of it makes sense to you. Well, this one looks like part of a letter. This one... Yeah. Yeah, this one pegs Chase, all right. Looks like a little piece of an envelope. Mm-hmm. Could be he'd brought part of the money down here in it. You see? You can still read part of the letterhead in the upper corner. Everson and... The full name is Everson and Chase. That's the name of the firm. Chase was the junior partner. Yeah. Well, that makes it pretty clear that Tom James and Tom Chase are one the same. Did he rent the room under the name Tom James? That's right. Haven't got any of the details yet. There's no manager here. Vacancies are handled by a rental agent down the street. I see. Here's another charred fragment I can't figure out. Here, take a look. It's right in here. Just some numbers. Looks like a 12 and a 23. Mm -hmm. Mean anything to you? 12, 23. An address, maybe? Possibly. But it's not much help. What address? Oh, well, if I get any bright ideas, I'll call you. I'm going to pay a visit to that rental agent. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Are you the agent for that rooming house down the street? That's right, sir. Collis is the name Roger Collis. You'd like a room, maybe? No, thanks. I want some information. What about well, you rented a room some time ago to a man named Tom James, I believe. Well, let me see. I'll have to look it up. We keep all the rentals in this here book, and it ought to be... Yeah, here it is. Oh, yeah. What do you mean, oh, yeah? Was there something special about that rental? Oh, indeed there was, my friend. A little over a week ago it was. Yeah, that would figure. And the month's rent was paid in advance. Is that what was so special about it? Oh, no, no, that's happened before. It was who rented it was so special. Well, I thought Tom James... It was rented for Mr. James, by a friend of his. Oh? I sure wish I had a friend like that. Oh, man, what a woman. The motive for Tom Chase's embezzlement. It was a woman after all. He probably stayed undercover while she rented the room for him. I thought of his wife, Lola. I didn't want to see her get hurt anymore. Expense account item 14, cab fare to Lola's hotel. Is there something new, Johnny? You left in such a hurry. Lola, do yourself and me a favor. What is it? Go back to New York now. Why? Well, I just think it'll be better all around, that's all. Something's happened. 
You found out something. Johnny, please don't hold anything back from Look, me. Look, Lola, Whatever I... it is, I have a right to know. Yeah, I guess you do. Okay, I'm sorry to tell you this, but... It looks like Tom isn't traveling alone. Oh. I guess I always knew that was it. It had to be. I'm sorry. You're right, Johnny. The only thing for me to do now is go back to New York and forget. Try to forget. Thanks for everything, Johnny. Item 15, $3 even. Drinks for me. But they didn't take the bad taste out of my mouth. Lola, heading back to New York alone. And Chase, heading who knew where with 120 grand and not alone. I thought of that scrap of charred paper with the numbers on it. The one we'd found in this room. 12, 23. They could mean anything or nothing. Finally, I gave up trying to make sense out of it and picked up the evening paper. News section, not much of interest. Sports, the comics, the weather, harbor news, the... Harbor news. Ship arrivals and departures. 12, 23. Could that be the time of departure of a ship and the pier number? From Pier 23 at 12, maybe? Sure, it sounded like a long shot. But I had a strong hunch the trail might not be as cold as I'd thought. Now here's our star to tell you about the next intriguing episode of this story. It's about a trail that heats up. And a girl who doesn't exactly help to cool things off. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Robert Reif, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. October 18th, 1956, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, here on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. We thank you for making us a part of your day and hope that you will take a moment to thank this radio station and support their advertisers. It is our kindness and courtesy that allow us to be with you each and every time we roll around here on your favorite station. 
Now, if you miss a day, you don't have to miss a single show. All of our shows are available on demand at classicradio.stream. That's classicradio.stream. You can hear our shows on demand there. You can learn more about building a classic radio collection of your own. You can contact me there. There's a list of podcast sites that our shows are available on by a download. You can also find our social media links there, and you can also buy me a coffee. The buy me a coffee money does not buy me coffee, but rather it helps us acquire additional classic radio shows. We appreciate your consideration. That's at classicradio.stream. Classicradio.stream. Have yourself a great day. Would you do me a favor? Also, tell your friends. The great radio shows are right here at this spot on the dial. Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox on your favorite station.